Hey guys, welcome to another week of Paddy's Playbook. This will be our biggest and most exciting podcast to date. It's grand final week. I can't wait. The biggest week of the year in the NRL and AFL. Today we are going to discuss and preview both of the grand finals, review last week's games and analyse how the grand finals got here. Plus there is plenty of other news and topics to discuss. The World Series kicked off yesterday. We'll discuss the Daily M and Brownlow Medals Award nights. UFC 254 this Sunday. Week 6 of the NFL, done and dusted, plus more. We can't wait. As you can tell, my voice is still very rusty from Saturday night when I was screaming my Mighty Panthers home at ANZ Stadium. Due to that, we're only going to do one episode this week covering all the hottest gossip and topics. I need to continue to recover and prepare myself for Sunday night. Anyway... Enough about me, let's get into it baby, Ew. Alright, to start the podcast off, let's start with the NRL review. So on Friday night, the Melbourne Storm defeated the Canberra Raiders 30-10. What about the Storm? They came out firing. I give the Storm full credit here, they were ready to go, full of energy, they knew they had a job to do, and from the first whistle, they delivered. Although, I don't think the Storm were as good as everyone is saying they were. After 24 minutes, the Storm were leading 24-0. A few of those tries were scored off amazing backline movements. But Vunavalu's try, Jared Croker didn't want to tackle him. He let him tippy-toe down the sideline and score. And on the other side, Nick Kotrick failed to bat a ball out of bounds in the in-goal, and Justin Olam dived on a loose ball for the easiest try of his career. The Raiders mentally and physically weren't there in the first 24 minutes of the match. According to reports, the Canberra Raiders asked the Queensland government if they were allowed to travel to Brisbane on Thursday night to prepare for their game. Stay the night, play, play the match on Friday, head straight home after. I believe this would help their preparation big time. The Raiders didn't hear back from the Queensland government until Wednesday. The government did say yes, but they had to have all the correct paperwork and documents filled out and signed, ready to go. Obviously, they're not before you want to leave. It just doesn't give you enough time to get complete all the required paperwork and documents. So it just it didn't work. It couldn't happen. It was impossible. So instead, the Raiders had to get up early on Friday, on game day, drive to the airport on the bus, on the team bus, fly up to Brisbane, wait around at the stadium for hours, and rev themselves up for a huge preliminary clash. Unfortunately, it didn't turn out like that for them. That's a huge day of travel. That's just, it's exhausting. But to the Raiders' credit, for the last 55 minutes of the match, they were able to beat Melbourne 10-6. to They never gave up, but it was just too much of an ask. Because when, when the Melbourne Storm get a convincing lead, they will strangle their opposition out of the match. Kick to the corners, strong chase, high completion rate, simple footy, just ball them out. And just, yeah, it's just Melbourne Storm-like. I feel like this match demonstrates how important it is to finish in the top four to win week one and get the rest leading into the preliminary final. That, re- that rest, that week off is crucial. Just gets the body right, gives you the energy and just lets you focus and just go again. So in the modern era of NRL, no team has come from outside the top four to win the competition ever. So that's, yeah, that just backs it up. The Storm are too good in this one and now have an appearance in four out of the last five grand finals. So over the last five grand finals, they've appeared in four of them. That's phenomenal. That is just ridiculous. So 
I feel like this shows how good of a coach Craig Bellamy is. Having the, having the ability to turn average players or players that have been from club to club, so journeymen's, into grand finalists is amazing. He always gets the best out of his players. For example, at the start of last year, Jerome Hughes was the Storm's first choice starting fullback. He has made the transition to halfback this year, and on Friday night was man of the match. So you go from playing fullback and then straight to halfback. Halfback, you've got to organize your team, call the shots. It's just a totally different thing. It's a huge ask going from fullback to halfback, and bam, to get in the grand final, he's the man of the match. It's just it's huge wraps on, on Hughes, and he's on fire this year. He's been playing phenomenal at number seven. And he's only got Coach Bellamy, his, his coach, to thank because he's just getting the best out of him, gets the best out of all the players he has. It's just, yeah, what a coach. Arguably the greatest of all time. So Storm are too good in that one. Now our second preliminary. Penrith Panthers defeated the South Sydney Rabbitohs on Saturday night, 20 points to six. What a match this was. As I said at the start of the podcast, I was at ANZ Stadium going wild. To the footy. First of all, I just want I want to say I think the better team did win, but South Sydney was so impressive. They were so gutsy and never gave up. 100% effort. I think Wayne Bennett will be very proud of his troops, very very proud of the team, and it gives them a building block for next year. To think you had Latrell Mitchell and Jai Arrow to that squad, that's scary. I said it three weeks ago when I discussed my finals prediction. I said I'm tipping the South Sydney Rabbitohs as my dark horse for the next year in 2021. I really think they're going to come up with something special. And in last week's press conference, Wayne even said there might be a few other key players, key key players coming to the club, key signings. So it's keep your eyes peeled on that South Sydney. I believe big things are coming. But back to the game. The Panthers left about 20 points out on the field with their poor execution and decision making. Nathan Cleary had a beautiful cutout ball over the top to Toto on the wing. He was um, had an open line. He was unmarked. Pass didn't go to didn't go to plan. Threw it out of bounds. Ivan Cleary went straight through like a hot knife through butter. He had support on the inside. He decided to kick. He did get a repeat set, which I believe led to a try in the further further minutes. But all he had to do was pass on the inside, a score under the post untouched. Then you got Mansour bust down the bust down the left flank. Inside he's got Catewell. He throws a forward pass. Catewell goes in untouched. There's another one. Like They're just crucial. Crichton goes through in the second half. He had support on the inside. Instead of not passing, he decides to go himself. He runs over about three players and just gets tackled two meters short of the line and drops the ball. So you just... You get through this week, but next week you have to take these chances. Every single chance you get, you have to make. You have to hit. You have to. They have to come off. It's as simple as that. So Penrith were pretty lucky to scrape through, in my opinion. For the Panthers, it's their defense that won that game. They're the best best defensive side in the competition, and hold they held arguably the best attacking side, the Bunnies, to sixteen points. Sixteen points. That's huge, in my opinion. That's huge. I've said it since day one of the podcast. The Bunnies have the best edge attack and set players, and for the Panthers to hold them to sixteen, in my opinion, that's massive. So, in the last ten minutes of the match, the Rabbitohs looked like they were coming home the strongest. Adam Reynolds had that forty twenty. The ref said it was a 40-20, but then they went to the bunker and looked at review, and his, his toe was on the line, like a few centimeters in it. So that was that was huge because, as I said, the bunnies were roaring home. If he kicks that, I believe that's that's the bunnies' last surge, and I believe they most likely scored there. They were coming hot. They were, coming, they were finishing really strong. So it just shows footy is a game of centimeters, of inches. It's just 
little plays like that. That was just, yeah, very lucky for Penrith in the end, I think. Panthers are now in the grand final for the first time in 17 years, since 2003. It's it's unreal. As a member, as a fan, I'm buzzing. This is the best week of my life. Let's go. I'm, it's going to be a great match, so... All right, NRL preview, grand final, Sunday night, 7.30 p.m., the Penrith Panthers and the Melbourne Storm. I can't fucking wait. It's as simple as that. I can't wait. At the start of the season, I gave my mighty Panthers no hope to be here. I didn't think they were going to make the eight. I'll be at the game on Sunday. I'm very nervous, but what a game it's going to be. I believe both teams are very evenly matched, spread out across the park. And after this crazy year, 2020, it's the teams ranked first and second who remain to do battle in the NRL Grand Final. So these are the best two teams all year, in my opinion. The most consistent. They both deserve to be there. It's going to be brilliant. For the Melbourne Storm, it could be an end of an era with the potential retirement of Cameron Smith and departure of Craig Bellamy, their coach. They would certainly love to send these two off with another premiership in their possession. Send them off on a high. So, meanwhile, as I just stated before, who would have predicted the Penrith Panthers to have a mammoth season they've had so far? I know I didn't, like, most of the experts didn't. It's just crazy. It's just crazy. I can't wrap my head around it. They've only suffered one loss in the entire season to fall short. At this time, in the grand final, it would just be heartbreaking. Would young, Second youngest squad in the, in the comp do all this hard work and get here and just to Lose the last dance would just be, yeah, heartbreaking. So it's it's going to be interesting. Two contrasting teams when it comes to experiencing grand finals. Melbourne still have a large amount of players who have remained in the squad when the Storm last won their premiership in 2017, while the majority of the Penrith Panthers squad will be making their first appearance. First appearance. So it's going to be interesting to see if the nerves kick in, how they handle that big, that big stage when the pressure kicks in. It's going to be interesting. These two teams met back in round six in the premiership, the regular season, and Penrith just held on to a 21-14 win. So, as I said before, there are some serious significant matchups monitored across the park. The battle of the fours will be extremely important. You know, you've got to allow your halves that space, that time just to attack the opposition goal line. The likes of Fisher-Harris, Yo, Tarmel, they've been unreal. Big Nelson... Kafusi, Bromwich, it's just going to be up the middle. I'm pretty sure it's going to be it predicted to be raining, so it could be a slugfest. What forward, what forward pack can get over, the, get over the other? It's just, yeah, it's got it all, this grand final. When you look at the numbers, the Panthers on average run over 160 metres more and over, over 80 post-contact metres extra than the Storm. The Panthers also average 20 kick return meters more than the storm thanks to Dylan Edwards and that can help with field possession. With the numbers favoring Penrith in this statistic, it brings Nathan Cleary and Jerome Luai into play as they have many ways to attack the defense. They like to take on the line while also making the right pass with his silky ball skills, silky cutout passes. They've, they can attack anywhere on the field. Yeah, they've got it all. So They've also both got pretty strong kicking games. Nathan Cleary does. Jerome Luai has a nice short kicking game. Force plenty of dropouts to build pressure. And the Panthers are going to be very, very happy to welcome back the enforcer, the wrecking ball, Viliami Kikau, after a one-week suspension. Penrith also make 
the least amount of errors in the competition, allowing them to complete sets and dominate possession. Simple as that. Hold onto the ball, and it just it gives you that. It just gives you a better opportunity. Last week they only completed at seventy one percent. They've got to turn that around. If they complete at seventy one percent against Melbourne in the grand final, they will get smoked. The game will be over at half time. They've got to hold onto the ball. Simple as that. For Melbourne, one area that Melbourne can exploit is their ability to generate offloads and create second phase play. The Storm play in, you know, in a threat where they can doesn't matter where they are on the field. Every player gets involved. Cameron Munster, Jerome Hughes, great running games. Pappenhausen at the back, just speed all over the park. So it's it's just got, as I said before, like just, it's going to be a great grand final. Simple as that. Each team plays different. Good defense, electric attack, big forwards, silky skillful players around the ruck. It's got, it's got it all. So for Storm against Parramatta and Canberra, their past two wins, the Storm display their ability to score short-range and long-range tries. The ability to move the ball with DK runs, create overlaps, and provide support will always be prominent. As I said, Papenhausen speed, Josh Adekar, Vunavalu, and ju- that, that side with Adokar and Vunavalu at full speed, at full pace hitting the ball and that sweeping movement, that's scary. That's scary. They've probably got some of the best outside backs in the competition, and Penrith will have to be locked onto this. They they get any they miss a step they miss a play they don't get up in their line Melbourne are just gonna fly through them straight round them so you know it's gonna be it's gonna be great the likes of you know Jesse Bromwich Kenny Bromwich Felice Kafusi and Nelson they need to stand up tall against this Penrith forward pack because in my opinion I know it's biased I think Penrith have probably the the toughest agile fittest forward pack in the comp. They just go all day, Penrith. They don't back down. And they, as I said, these Storm forwards need to allow Smith the ability to exploit the middle of the field. Cameron Smith, give him these little opportunities. Let him dictate the game, control the speed, the ruck, get his kicks in play. It's it's important for them. So as I said before, that forward battle is crucial. They lay that platform down, and then the rest of, rest of the game and the rest of play will come off that. But then you've got your bench. Which bench is... Melbourne Storm's bench, the likes of Brandon Smith... He bring and Tino, Dale Finucane standing on the bench, he might start, but they bring so much energy and just change momentum. So it's crucial for Penrith to match that. It's kind of going to be a chess match. You know, you Moses Leota, Kate Wells, Zane Tedovano, these big boys, they have a bit of experience. They've got to match that. When the when the benches come on, you've got to be looking at your opposition. Opposition front row that's just come on. Let's go. Fresh legs. Let's go toe-to-toe, mate. I'm not backing down. So that that bench battle... That's going to be immense. That's going to be... That could be where it's won or lost. You know, it could be that first 20 is just a grind match. You get your fresh players on those big boys. One of them just against a tired player. Big run, footwork, fend, goosey, bang. Could just change it straight through the line. Could be a winning play. So the benches, the matchup is amazing. It's, it's going to be... It could be crucial. It could be crucial. So this is going to be an extremely tough contest. Penrith, I've shown this season has been no fluke. No fluke at all. So far, the most signs suggest that Penrith are the better team. As I said, they've only lost one. However, the Melbourne Storm are a different beast. Different beast when it comes to finals footy. Their experience, determination, and skill, it cannot be overlooked. As a result, they're the favorites going into this match, and I totally understand why. They've been here before. They know how to get it done. They've got great leaders, experience, some young players. So it's... 
the last few weeks, ever, not everyone, but a lot of people have wrote Penrith off. Are they too young? Are they ready for the big, um, like the big dance of big matches? Can they, can they handle their nerve? So there's plenty of unknowns with Penrith, I guess, how they handle the pressure of the grand final. This is the top of the stage. This isn't your first week of finals. This isn't a preliminary. It's two teams left. You've gone from 16 to two. This is it. This is the last 80 minutes of football for the season. So how they handle that, we're about to find out on Sunday. But I can't wait. This should just be a back and forth game. And it's going to be a nail-biter in my opinion. It could come down to the last minute, a field goal, just a piece of individual brilliance, a little kick, a big tackle, a line break, a step. It just It's going to be, yeah, I can't wait. We all know I'm a Penrith fan, a member. I'm going to be biased. I'm obviously not going to change my tip. I'm going for Penrith. Can't talk me out of that. I'm nervous. I just can't wait. So if you see a big long hair wahoo looking motherfucker 6'5 at ANZ Stadium in his little Panthers budgies, that's me. Shut the gate because I'll be down there just swinging it. So let's go the Panthers. All right, it's time for the AFL review. How did these teams get to the grand final? So on Friday night, the Richmond Tigers beat the Port Adelaide Power 46 to 40. Richmond will now have a chance to become a dynasty, qualifying for its third grand final in four years after pipping Port Adelaide by six points in a thrilling, thrilling preliminary final. What a match this was. It was a game of territory and intercepts from the get-go. With no goals kicked within the first 10 minutes, despite those 12 inside 50s being recorded. It was this tough, gritty defense. Finally, finally, 12 minutes into the match, it took something special from superstar Dustin Martin to record the opening goal and give the Tigers the initial lead. It was a tough, gritty match as I stated, and at halftime, the scores were locked and tied at 21. In the second half, both teams exchanged leads, and the yellow and black were able to just hang on and clinch another grand final experience. I believe the Tigers' experience and just their, their talent and big game performances from their superstars got them home in the end. Dustin Martin... Incredible. He had a massive game. I said it last week. He was going to. He needs to. He never backs down on the big stage. Big matches. He had 21 disposals and two goals. So another grand final for the yellow and black. Richmond Tigers. That has continued to write history. Continue to just book themselves in. And yeah. What a what a team. What a club. What an organization. So they're into another grand final. The Tigers. Alright. Our second preliminary final. Saturday night. The Geelong Cats beat the Brisbane Lions 82-42. to Bang! 40-point margin. Now Geelong goes through to the 2020 Grand Final after steamrolling the Lions at the Gabba. The Cats were pretty dominant the whole match, but at halftime, they only led 32-27, to so a 5-point margin. But in the second half, the bloody floodgates opened, and the Cats flew home. They had a firecracker up their ass. They were flying. Gary Ablett Jr. shone on what could have been his final night of footy. But now, the legend will get a chance to bow out at the biggest stage at the grand final, go out with another another win. So that's huge for him. Gives him another opportunity. While superstar midfield Patrick Dangerfield had some spectacular moments without dominating the match. He didn't have that many disposals. He, I repeat, he will finally get a chance. His first ever grand final appearance. This is, this is his first ever grand final appearance for Patrick Dangerfield. What a player he is. He deserves this. He's got an incredible CV. So this is just another tick 
tick on the tick on the list for him that he's knocked off. So big week for him. Big match coming up. He deserves it. He's great. But for Geelong, all their superstars, it took some of the, the Geelong's less ranked players that dug out the victory on the weekend for them. Mark Bulakavs excelled in his roving role. Jack Henry defended superbly and kicked a crucial goal. While the likes of Cam Guthrie and Mitch Duncan dominated clearances in the middle of the field. They were superb. Brisbane Lions will be disappointed with her. The inability to find ways to pierce Geelong's structured defence. Lockie Neal, their superstar, forced himself into the game after a slow start and kicked two glorious goals to go along with 24 disposals, but it wasn't enough. As I said, the floodgates open in the second half and Geelong just pulled away with it. So the cat's too good there. Alright, preview time. Grand final. The Richmond Tigers versus the Geelong Cats Saturday 7.30pm at the Gabba. This is going to be cracker. I can't wait. So 219 days after the season started, without a single soul watching Richmond play Carlton live at the MCG, the strangest AFL season in history will conclude when up to 30,000 fans pack out the Gabba for a historic grand final between the Tigers and the Cats. It will be the first grand final to be played away from the MCG since 1991. So 29 years. The first ever to be played outside the state of Victoria. And the first to be played at night. So there's a lot going on here. This is history making. It's huge. I can't wait as I stated. As a symbol, a small patch of the MCG grass was trucked up from Melbourne to Brisbane last week. And will be transplanted into the Gabba turf. So they're keeping that Melbourne history, that MCG history alive by bringing some turf up to the Gabba. But while the grand final may have been shifted out of Victoria, for this year only, the cup will return home. With this being the first all-Victorian grand final since 2011. So nine years. Two Victorian teams. The tough, tough things they're going through down in Victoria and in Melbourne. Hopefully this just puts a smile on their face this weekend. They can just enjoy the footy. And hopefully it's a great match. The, the better team wins. And yeah, it'll be good for Victoria. So enjoy that. Both the Tigers and the Cats were forced to take the long way around to reach the grand final. They took the long route. They took the long alternative. They both lost the qualifying finals. The Tigers lost against the Brisbane Lions at the Gabba, while the Cats lost to the Port Adelaide Power at the Adelaide Oval. Then, the yellow and black, the Tigers bounced back to defeat the Saints in their semi-final at Metricon Stadium, while the Cats thumped Geelong holding them to only one goal in the first three quarters. So they were they were inc- incredible. They were immense. Then the games we just reviewed before, and that's how we've got to our grand final. That's it. 18 teams to start the season. Now there's two left. The last two. Who's going to be the last standing? This grand final has lots of milestones involved. Lots. For Geelong, it'll be Joel Selwood's 200th match as captain. And having featured in each of their previous three flags, their three grand final wins in 2007, 2009, and 2011, he will have the chance to become a full-time premiership cat. Though, this year in 2020 would be his first as a skipper, as the captain. So a huge night for him. Then there's Patrick Dangerfield, who I stated before. He will be playing his first grand final after playing over 250 games. So he's been in the league for so long, and yeah, his first grand final, 
as I said, what a week this will be for him. What a match he's going to have. He's going to be nervous, excited. So just just enjoy it, mate. Huge achievement for him. And last but not least, Gary Rowan, who will be hoping it's fourth time lucky for him. He has yet to win a grand final after three attempts. So fourth time going in. Let's see if he can get it done. Huge day for him. Then we, we scroll across the paddock. Richmond Tigers. As for the Tigers, Cochin, Trent Cochin could join the likes of Michael Voss and Luke Hodge as a triple premiership winning captain this century. So this would be huge. Huge achievement if he could he, he could get the, his home his home team across the line on Saturday night. Another who could notch up a hat-trick is Dustin Martin, who won the Norm Smith medal in each of the Tigers' past two flags. He could become the first man to ever win the medal for a third time. The first player to ever get the best and fairest on ground for three times. That would be incredible. What That would be it's history-breaking. That would just be unreal. And that he has the chance for a second consecutive time. So he got it last time. He'd get it again. Back-to-back grand finals. That would be huge for Dusty. He's, he's got a huge opportunity to make some history here. Write himself, continue to write his history book. So, and then for Richmond, they've also got 15 players who could become three-time premiership players, premiership winners. So as I said, what a team, what a club, what an organization Richmond have been. They a few years, or not a few years ago, five, ten years ago, they were really down in the slumps and just built this up, built this up, and yeah, dynasty in the making right here. So this match should be cracker. I'm predicting a clo- I am predicting a close encounter with various lead changes. I'm expecting the match to be de- decided in the last five minutes. A superstar is going to make a huge player, make a bone rattling tackle, make a massive clearance, get the ball out of the danger. A kick, a clutch goal, just something. What? Who will it be? You know, who will it be? Dustin Martin, Tommy Lynch, Patrick Dangerfield, Tom Hawkins. It's just superstars on both sides of the paddock. It's going to be great. I can't wait. I believe the Tigers. They do appear stronger on paper. They got the better team because they they've retained majority of their Premiership winning players over the last few years. So I feel like they've got a stronger team on paper. While Geelong. As I said before, they will want to send Gary Ablett Jr. out a winner. He's had an amazing career. So it's his last game. He's going to be retiring after this. Send him out a winner. As well as Joel Selwood playing his 200th game as captain, as I stated. And Patrick Dangerfield playing his first grand final. So this surely this gets the cats up. It motivates the cats. Gets the hairs on their neck, buddy. Just poking out, raring a go. So they're going to come out hard. It's just, this grand final literally has it all. Has it all. Similar with the NRL. Could go either way. It's just going to be a fantastic clash. So, I think my my this is just my prediction, my opinion. I think the Tigers have too much big game experience, and have proved their stars stand up in big games and big moments. And I am tipping the Tigers by eight points. I hope it's a cracking game. I know it will be a cracking match. Hope the best team wins. I think the Norm Smith medal, the best on the ground, regardless to what team wins. If Richmond win, I think Dustin Martin's going to have an absolute blinder. For Geelong, their superstar, Patrick Dangerfield, first grand final. They're my two picks. They're pretty pretty simple, nothing out of the blue, but bring on Saturday. This is going to be a, this is a belter, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy this one. All right, baseball fans. It's time. Let's go. 2020 World Series Preview. 
for the first time since 2013, the teams with the best records in their respective leagues will meet in the World Series. The Tampa Bay Rays and the Los Angeles Dodgers were both so dominant in this pandemic-shortened season. It's hard to say the results would have been much different if they had to play more than 60 games because the season got shortened to 60 games because of COVID. We all know that. So it's just been a crazy year of sport all around the world. So MLB shortened their season. It's just, and we're here, the big dance. So the Dodgers are in the National League and the Tampa Bay Rays are in the American League. So Rays center fielder Kevin Cavamira states, it seems like they're in the World Series every year. Every other year for the Dodgers. He's reflecting to the Dodgers. So, unquote, this is the Dodgers' third World Series in four years. They have not won a World Series since 1988, though. 1988, 32 years. The Rays, on the other hand, have not been to the World Series since 2008. So they're on a 12-year drought from getting there. And I repeat, they have never won a World Series, ever. So history, regardless, will be made Either way, when this series is done and dusted. For me, the Dodgers seem to have a better lineup. They're 1-9, they're their top 1-9 hitters together look like they could be an all-star team. Meanwhile, on the other side, the Rays have no stars in their lineup. Instead, they have a lineup packed with players who perform each and every night. They just link well, they work well together as a team. They don't have any MVP candidates, but they're all just rock-solid players in my opinion. The Dodgers seem to have a stronger rotation and bullpen with Kershaw, Bueller, May, Jansen. The Rays, though, have more of a top-heavy rotation with Snell, Morton, and Glasnow. So the Rays, their pitching, their top pitches, I believe, are just they're, they're more powerful, very heavy, very they can pitch longer innings, they get the job done. So that's that's what I that's what I mean by that. The Rays, though, they also have an incredible bullpen, well built. So at the moment. It's, it's incredibly dangerous, and it's, it's red hot, apparently. The Rays manager, Eric Neander, even said, I wouldn't want to hit our group right now. I would not want to hit against these fellas. He's referring to the, bull, the bullpen. So, game one of the series started yesterday. If you follow us on Instagram, at Paddy's Playbook, you would know this because we post awesome content and live scores, etc. So, the Dodgers won game one, 8-3. to three to take a convincing lead in the series. Dodgers pitcher, Clayton Kershaw, he pitched beautifully for the Dodgers, while superstar Mookie Betts was phenomenal. He was two from three, two from four with the bat, hitting one home run, scoring two runs, and stole two bases. Both of these were in the fifth innings, helping the Dodgers explode and gain a big lead, and then they just went on with it from there. Unfortunately for the Rays, their starting pitcher and probably the best pitcher in the series, Glasnow, got belted around the park and out of the park. He only pitched four innings. He had to come off. So, yeah, that was that's a little mini recap of game one. So, it's easy to say now for me, Dodgers are leading the series 1-0, but I did tip them last week on the podcast, even when they were down 3-1 against the Braves, the Atlanta Braves, they were down, and they won three on the trot to get here. So, I have to stick with them. In the World Series, I think the Dodgers will be too strong. For the Dodgers, they can hit. They can wait patiently and they can take their walks. They can strike out with any team. They can just compete with any team. I just think it's their superstars. They have superstars all over the park. Mookie Betts, as I stated before, is a batting champ and has a career of .300 hit over, like a plus 
0.300 hitter. Justin Turner has four seasons of 0.300. Phenomenal. And then young gun, Cody Bellinger, posted a 0.305 slash 0.406 on base year in his 2019 MVP campaign. Last year was the MVP. He was phenomenal. He hasn't had the greatest season this year, but it's just those big-time players in big moments with the bat, I think will get the Dodgers home. They can just, as I said, they're patient. They can strike out. They can hit over the back fence, home run. They're just loaded. They're stacked. So, yeah, good luck to both teams. Everyone who enjoys their baseball, the fans out there, just have some fun watching. It's our last week of baseball for the season. I just, yeah, hope it's a great series. It's not a whitewash, and enjoy. UFC 254, what a card it is. Fight fans, MMA fans, it's time! This card is unreal. There's lots of good fights. I'm just going to preview and discuss two top fights I'm very interested in. The first one, Australian Robert Whittaker and Jared Cannonier. Robert Whittaker and Cannonier are going to decide who will become Israel Adesanya's next challenger. Whittaker is eager to get his chance to avenge the defeat against Adesanya once he lost his belt. Meanwhile, Cannonier is Stylebender's latest wish. He stated this immediately following the match against Paul Acosta. He said, mate, you, you, you beat um, Whittaker, you're mine next, let's go. So it's going to be a bit of pressure for both, both opponents. For me, though, Cannonier is just a freak. He's gone from heavyweight to light heavyweight. Now he's competing in middleweight. He's undefeated since moving down to 185 pounds and has finished all three of his opponents. So he's going to look to continue his hot streak when he meets Whitaker. So Whitaker, he to his credit, he rebounded nicely from his title loss with a win against Darren Till. So... It's going to be interesting. They're both quite different fighters, in my opinion. Cannonier is a huge, powerful, hard hitter who just drops bombs. He is just a freak. Big body. Whitaker is a more skillful fighter, in my opinion. So heading into this co-main event, but I do believe, you know, the power will determine this fight. Who can land those big bombs, get a few combos in early. I believe Whitaker will either wear him down and exhaust Cannonier. Or Cannonier will win from his powerful striking by making some huge connections early in the fight. So the longer this fight goes, I believe it benefits Whitaker, gives him a, a little edge. But if, as I said, Cannonier, huge hitter, if he can get in early, make some combinations, this this fight could be over pretty quickly. So this will be a cracker. It could go either way. Obviously, I'm going for the Aussie, Big Robbie, but we'll see see what happens there. It should be a brilliant fight. Alright, the main event. Khabib up against Justin Gaethje. For years, I repeat, for years, the fight that fans wanted to see in the lightweight division was Khabib against Tony Ferguson. After five failed attempts to make that fight a reality, Ferguson suffered a stunning upset in May at UFC 249 when he lost to Justin Gaethje. Now, fans will get the ultimate consolidation prize in the form of the title bout between the interim champ, Gaethje, and the title holder, Khabib, this weekend at UFC 254. I can't fucking wait. Gaethje is a former NCAA Division I All-American wrestler who has yet to shoot for a takedown since joining the UFC. Instead, he prefers to stand up and trade blows. Yeah. Trade his opponents, evolving from a slugging brawler to a hard-hitting technician who displays surgical accuracy. So he's, he's been unreal. 
he's he's a great fighter. So his wrestling chops will certainly be tested though against Khabib, who has seemingly rendered the takedown defense of all all of his opponents. He just unreal defensive fighter takes him down to the ground, grapple. Khabib's superb ground and pound drains the fight out of his opponents until they fall via TKO or are forced to submit, as I just stated. So he is relentless. He does not give you an inch. He is just, yeah, he's the champ. That's simple as that. He gets it done. Might not be the most entertaining way, but Khabib gets it done. If Gagey is able to keep the fight standing up, then it is Khabib who will have to dig deep and show, show that his striking game has evolved enough to hang in there. So Gagey... His tactic, in my opinion, stay on your feet, keep that distance, try and defensive, hold your defensive takedowns, and he keeps that distance and keeps on his feet and gets it into a bit of a brawl, a bit of striking battle. This will be amazing, this fight. So I can't wait. Quick shout out to my good mate from work, Rico. You know who we are, brother? He loves his UFC and he's a guru of the sport, in my opinion. He's telling me, he's been telling me for weeks, he's very confident on Justin Gagey getting the job done this weekend. So I'll be tipping him. I'm backing back of my brother Rico and I think Justin Gagey is going to surprise a lot of people so UFC 254 hosts plenty of other amazing fights so MMA and UFC fans enjoy the card it's going to be a huge day of sport on Sunday MMA in the morning the UFC in the morning I should say sorry UFC in the morning grand final in the afternoon at night I'm going to be there I can't wait so well, now we're going to discuss some news around the league so we will start with AFL. Lions superstar Lockie Neal has taken out the 2020 Brownlow medal. So he's been the best, best all year. He's had an amazing season, so congratulations to him. And then we cut to more AFL news. At the start of the week, Geelong Cats forward Tom Hawkins had to leave training and isolate himself from the team due to being sick, so some sickness. So he got tested for COVID. His tests returned negative. He's back with his teammates. And it's not the best way to start off grand final week. So hopefully it's not too much of a hiccup. I'm sure it won't be. It won't be an excuse. So yeah, the Cats have come in with a bit of um, bit of drama to start their week, I guess you could say. Now some more news around the league. Last Sunday, the All Blacks dominated the Wallabies 27-7, stamping their authority at Eden Park. So they've just said, we're still, we're still the benchmark of world rugby. And yeah, the Wallabies... I said it last week, they've still got a long way to go, but I think for them it's just restoring that pride and putting it back in the jersey, putting making that green and gold jersey feel special. So where Wallabies will now host two matches over here in Australia in the coming weeks. I think 31st of 31st of October, I will be attending that at ANZ Stadium. So hey, hopefully the Wallabies can put on a good display for the home fans that attend and rock up. Meanwhile, big shout out to all the rev heads and petrol heads out there. Shane Van Giesbergen has won the 2020 Bathurst 1000. So this is his first victory at Mount Panorama. So massive achievement for him. I thoroughly enjoyed the end of that race. A bit of rain came into it the last 20 laps. There was a few safety cars. It was a nice, close, exciting finish. So that was a good good day of sport, good day of racing. So shout out to Shane Van Giesbergen. Big Gizzy gets the job done in his first Bathurst 1000 victory. Now a bit of NFL news. Three teams after week six, are still undefeated. So the Pittsburgh Steelers are 5-0. They're a great, tough, gritty defense, good side. Big Ben is playing unreal, back from that elbow injury. So they've come out of the gates firing in 2020. Then we've got the Tennessee Titans. For those that remember, they knocked off the Baltimore Ravens last year, the red-hot favorites. 
And their running back, Derrick Henry, is an absolute beast, and he's continuing to dominate the league. So the Tennessee Titans, Ryan Tannehill, the quarterback, everything's clicking right now. They're 5-0, so they've started real red hot as well. And then my favorite, they're not the favorites, but I think this team is legit the real deal, and I think they could go Super Bowl. Seattle Seahawks, 5-0. Russell Wilson, superstar, MVP favorite. I believe I believe he's going to lock this award up. It's They're looking so red hot. They haven't even got their defense working, clicking yet. You wait till they get that defense working. They've still got, you know, 10 weeks until until playoffs, postseason, until that works. They get their defense to tighten up. You know what you're going to get out of Russell Wilson every single game. Big games, he never backs down. Amazing player, does not sweat, no pressure. He's just a freak. So, big Russ, Seahawks looking unreal. The rumors are they're interested in signing AB, Antonio Brown, superstar wide receiver Antonio Brown. So, you know, they add more talent like that. They've just got offensive weapons all over the park. Defense is going to tighten up. Seattle Seahawks 5-0. They're looking red hot. Keep your eyes peeled on that, guys. In the coming weeks, we will dive deep into the NFL. I know I say it every week. But we're flat out at the moment. Grand final week. World Series is underway. There's just the UFC this weekend. There's so much good quality sport going on. So I will. I promise you NFL fans and football fans out there, I know I'm letting you down. NFL will be coming. Deep analysis in the coming weeks. When all the other sports are drifted away to the side, we're going to dive right into the NFL. It's going to be mid-season. We're going to get the good juicy goss and hot topics out of you. So NFL heating up. We love it. Keep your eyes peeled. Now, I just want to discuss the Daily M Awards for the NRL. So, we all know they got leaked by the Daily Telegraph hours before. I'm not going to dive too deep into that negative negative bullshit. But, huge congratulations to my man, Jackie Boy Whiten. Jack Whiten, well-deserved, wins his first Daily M medal. So, I said it last week. He's the best 5'8 in the competition this year. And he's a top 5 player in the league. And this award proves it. He's the real deal. He's just a phenomenal freak. He's a, he's a great athlete. He got the Clive Churchill last year, Dalian this year, so Jack White and big, big things coming. You know, last year was his first year, full year at number six at 5'8". And then looking at his second year, bam, he's got the Dalian. So I, I can't wrap him enough. He's going to be, he'll be in the blue squad. He'll be playing for Australia. He's just a freak. What a, what a talent. So there's that. And then we've got our coach of the year. Penrith Panthers' Ivan Cleary has been awarded Coach of the Year. Obviously, they're the minor premiers. He's brought his team from 10th position last year to 1st. Only lost one game all year. Amazing achievement. So that was a no-brainer. Captain of the Year, RTS, Roger Tuovasashek. He has been immense this year, in my opinion, on and off the field. He's just, from what he's displayed off the field with his family being in NZ, being stuck in Australia with COVID, he's put literally the Warriors on his back, the whole nation of New Zealand on his back, kept... Rugby league in New Zealand alive. Kept the Warriors in the competition. They could have easily went home. The NRL might not have gone ahead. Um, rugby league in New Zealand might have really took a massive slump. But he's just, what a player. What a person. What a leader. Just to take that and say, no, we're going to finish the season. Lead his troops around the park. They ended up playing phenomenal after that. Um, their head coach got sacked or he you know, left, walked out. Um, so yeah, Roger Tuovasa, captain of the year. Well-deserved. Um, hopefully big things coming for the Warriors in the next coming years because led by him, they deserve it. He's he's immense. He's amazing. What a player. What a leader. So RTS Captain of the Year. Rookie of the Year, Harry Grant. Young Tigers hooker. I know he's on loan from Melbourne Storm, but he's had an exceptional year. He's faced a few injuries, had a bit of you know drama along the way, but he's in, he's incredible to play in the middle of the, middle of the field, 
can play 80 minutes, make 50, 60 tackles, run. He's made some big runs, dictated matches. Some of his players have been winning plays, scoring tries, setting tries up. He's just amazing. To do that in your first year, I highly doubt he'll leave Melbourne Storm. They probably, I don't know why you'd let him go to another club, but if the Tigers get a chance to keep their hands on this bloke, you got to do it because he's something special. In my opinion, I think he'll represent Queensland in the state of origin at the end of the year. So yeah, Harry Grant, what a talent. Rookie of the year, well-deserved. Now, the NRL team of the year. This is what I can't wait to discuss. So, the first time in 2020, the NRL have had a top... So you usually have like your best second row of the year, you have one player, um, your best property. They've made a top 13 squad. So the NRL has done this. This is the first time, 2020 special. So at fullback, we have Clint Gutherson. What a year he's had. He's been immense. He's just... I've said it all... Since the podcast started, all effort, 100% effort, never gives up, great leader, so he's well-deserved there. Wingers, no Faluma, phenomenal. The tackle bust, the runs, freaky tries, setting up tries. And the other winger, the Fox, Josh Adokar. I have no problems with those selections. They've both had incredible seasons. Our center pairing, Katoni Staggs. He's a freak. I know he suffered a heartbreaking season-ending um, injury, but what a freak he is. He's got such a bright future for a young player. I'm pretty sure he's been awarded the try of the year against the Dragons. Two tackle busts, left, right, get out of the way. The dummy, straight through. He's just unreal. And Panthers young gun, Stephen Crichton, other center. He's had an amazing year. So that's our um, our back five. Then our halves pairing. Obviously, the man that won the Daily M, Jackie Boy White, at six. And the best halfback in the competition this year by a mile, Nathan Cleary. Then we go to our hooker, Cameron Smith. He's been immense. He's missed a few games. I do think, I know it's biased, Apu Corusau is the buy of the year. I do think he could easily slot into that nine jersey and probably deserves it because without him, Penrith don't, aren't going as well. But I totally understand Cameron Smith. New rule changes at his age. He just continues to adapt and just control the elite, control the games. He's amazing. So what a player, what a leader. Our front row pairing. I said it last week. Big Papa, Josh Papali, best prop in the competition. Full stop. Don't even question me. That's it. And the other front row pairing from the Penrith Panthers, James Fisher-Harris. He's been a beast. So that's our front row pairing. Then to lock the scrum, Panthers lock Asai Yo. He's been, he's had an incredible year. Can play out wide in the centers, back row, lock, put him in front row, put him, in the, put him wherever. He just does not give up. Leads from the front. I think he's going to be the next Penrith Panthers captain. Then our back row pairing, second rowers, Tohu Harris. He's been He's had a great year, never gives up, lots of energy, effort, just makes a million tackles. So he's been probably an un, unnoticed hero. Just get through his workload, no dramas there. And wrecking ball, big Viliami kickout from the Panthers. So he's the other second row. So he's had a good year. That's the team, team of the year. I'm happy with it. If you're not, please let me know. We can discuss some positions. So that's, um, that's all the news around the league for this week. Alright guys, that's a wrap for today. It's been a big episode as I stated at the start of the um, podcast. We're only going to do one episode this week. It's longer. I hope you enjoy it. There's heaps of info. It's packed with some good stuff. You've got your reviews and previews, NRL and AFL Grand Finals, World Series, MLB fans, baseball fans. Enjoy that. Daily M and Brownlow, we discussed a little bit about that. UFC 254 this Sunday. That's this little preview and picks that I like. 
NFL. We're going to dive into that more in the coming weeks. But yeah, week six done and dusted. Three teams unbeaten still. Keep your eyes peeled on that. We can't wait. Once again, I'm just honored and privileged and just cannot appreciate you guys enough just for all the support we've been getting. We really do appreciate it. Feel free to subscribe to all our channels. Give us a little review, what you like. If you don't like it, message me what I can improve. I'm always up for constructive criticism. I really do appreciate your support. Follow us on our socials on Instagram at Paddy's Playbook. We post some amazing content. We're just going to continue to build. And yeah, we love it. So hope everyone has a great weekend. Grand finals. Enjoy the AFL on Saturday night. NRL Sunday night. If you see a big big fella in Panthers budgie smugglers, you know it's me. Come say hi. I'm going to be getting loose. So have a great weekend, guys. Let's get it. Go the mighty Panthers. Hopefully my voice is better by next week. I can't promise you guys anything else. But yeah, have a great weekend. Take care, guys. Ew!